Welcome back to the Nomadic Gregors podcast. I'm Anna. I'm Cameron. And here we talk about all things living abroad, traveling, and being international teachers. Remember, you can listen to us on Spotify or you can watch us here on YouTube. Please like, subscribe, and share with a friend for whomever this can be helpful. Yeah, so it's been a couple weeks. It's been it's the end of the school year for us. Things are going to get busy. Uh, this is our ninth episode. We have one more for this first season before we take a short break for summer. And um, we have a couple more things planned before we go, though. And then we'll get into our season two in the fall, which will be all about international teaching. It's a little bit more specific. Yeah, so in our second season this fall, just <clears throat> to give you a little preview, this will be much more relevant for you if you are getting ready to teach internationally, start looking into the possibility of applying for jobs and all of that. So stay tuned for updates on season two, of course, after we finish season one. Yeah, um, we have, we're hopefully, hopefully going to have an interview or two next season. We'll see. We haven't asked anybody yet. We have ideas, but we'll see. It's also cold in our apartment. It's hot out. The hotter, ironically, the hotter it gets outside, the colder it gets in here. We don't really understand how that works. Our air conditioning is kind of a entity of its own. No, we so understand. I don't. The hotter understand. it gets outside, the lower our air conditioner goes. Fair enough. Well, I don't so. understand. I'm colder than everyone all the time, so it doesn't matter to me. Anyways, so uh, our last episode will be sort of a general, sort of celebratory kind of fun episode. But to round out our, our first season talking about being an expat, we've talked about all these, how you can be an expat, things we like, uh, ways you can become an expat, what the daily life is like. So today we're going to talk about some of the not so exciting parts, the downsides. Yeah, so in a way it should kind of offset any expectations or ideas that you may have from listening to previous episodes about what it's like to be an expat, not so much to discourage you, but kind of to bring a balance in perspectives on, okay, here are the ups and here are the expected downs. So that's where we're going with our conversation today. Yeah, nowhere is perfect um, and uh, no job is perfect, no place is perfect. So, and we want to give you guys just our experience on what it's been like to be an expat and some of the struggles that you go through as far as uh, what it means to live away from home. We've talked about culture shock already and this part of what we talk about today will hint at culture shock, you know, that stage two where you just sort of hate everything, but um, it's, a, it's a bit bigger than that. Yeah, and today we're going to start by Acknowledging the fact that because you are in a different country or because you're going to live in a different country, naturally things are going to be different and they're going to go away from what you are used mm. to in some, in some aspects just a little and in other aspects a lot. The laws and the regulations that you may be bound to in the country that you go to as an expat may be completely different than what you're used to. Just because you don't know a law doesn't mean that you're exempt from following it. So make sure that when you get there, when you get to know locals, you understand what the cultural expectations are, what the laws are, so that you are always following what's expected of you and your status is always the way it's supposed to be. Okay, so she jumped into that sooner than I was ready for. So we, I wanted to preface this with, this is not a downside, but something that you have to be prepared for in the sense that when you go to a new country, there are going to be new laws, 
and um, certain things that you might not be able to do back home. So we're not saying this is a downside, just a difference. Yeah, exactly. So I just wanted to preface that before you went into it. I didn't know you were jumping in right there. I'm sorry. It's okay. Um, so we are talking about downsides today, but this isn't a downside, just a difference in culture. And so it's something you have to be aware of, what's what you can and can't do, uh, what your embassy or consulate may or may not be willing to help with, um, all the little things. You know, uh, for example, here in Saudi, in the U.S., it's the same. You can't drive and be on your phone, but they're better about stopping you here or giving they have cameras that check you uh, to see if you're on your phone while you're driving, which is fantastic because studies show that while you're on your phone and driving, it's just as bad as drunk driving. So they're better at that here than they are back home where nobody really cares, it seems like. Um, so it's just a difference in local laws. Yeah, the oversight is going to be different depending on where you go. And there are things that while you may know that they are a law where you live and it may be enforced to different degrees, they may be enforced to greater degrees in a different place. So it's something to be aware of. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of really all we'll talk about that too much. You know, I mean, each country is going to be different. Talk to people that have been there, scour the internet. It's not hard to find. Reddit has a subgroup for every country, every major city in those countries as well. So just double check and ask questions. People are happy to answer. Yeah. So before you go, if you're ever in doubt, and even when you are already there, if you're ever in doubt, just ask. People will be more than willing to help you and clarify any questions. All right. So now let's get into some of the actual things that can be crappy when you are a, an expat. Um, you know, we have a little list here. We talked about one thing, but I think we should start with this one. We which can. is uh, sometimes you get lower quality items. And what we mean by that is maybe it's groceries, maybe it's appliances. It depends on where you are and what's available. It doesn't mean that high quality ones aren't available. But, but they might be significantly more expensive than what you're used to. Yeah, and you know, I, I guess we shouldn't say lower quality. I guess we should say differently branded because they're just simply different brands. In some cases, lower quality if um, the produce that you find, for example, has to travel long distances and may not be as fresh or might get to the retail points having already some signs of damage or overripeness or something like that. Maybe. I don't think that's exclusive to being an expat, though. I mean, we, we find that. We find apples from South America and Washington. We do, but in stores in the U.S., for example, there is a higher propensity of stores being careful with not showing ugly items, for example, or not selling things that are already overripe. Maybe. Yeah, I haven't thought about it too much. I'm better at picking produce than you. Let's go with my sure. opinion in this But, case. I mean, that's just produce. As far as other things, though, again, I don't want to say lower quality in general because you're just going to come across things that you've never seen in your home country. Our appliances... Ooh, excuse me. Here in Saudi are an Italian brand. Yes. And they're not our favorite. Um, they work fine, but they work differently. And while we might consider them not as nice as what we have back home, it doesn't mean they're not functional and don't work just fine. Absolutely. Um, but they do work differently. And, you know, for our dryer, for example, it's the only dryer I've ever owned where you have to physically take the water out and dump it out. It doesn't drain automatically, which is interesting 
It is. It's probably, if I had to guess a reason for them being made that way, an issue now being able to connect dryers to pipings in certain buildings because of age. Probably, but it's just uh, it's still interesting. Um, what else might we not find? So lower quality in some items. So I'm going to talk about this because it's an issue for me, and that's cheese. Cheese in so many other countries that's not that aren't Europe or the U.S. are processed. You so much processed cheese. Asia, Middle East, South America, processed cheese. Like we talk in the U.S. about Kraft Singles and Velveeta. That's ubiquitous. That's not real cheese. But it's everywhere. I mean, every grocery store in other countries we've been to, it's mostly processed cheese. Yeah, and but again, that goes into the fact that because of the characteristics of the way people eat in other places, and I know that we've touched on this on previous episodes, the availability of certain goods or the versions of certain goods that are available may not be the same that you're used to. It's the same with, with baking supplies, for example. Many of the places where we've lived are not really baking cultures. People don't really eat dessert the same way that we do in Western cultures. And so baking is not a thing. So in China, we didn't have an oven. In Korea, finding baked goods baking goods was very difficult because those are cultures where people don't make dessert the way that we do so if you did find something it was expensive or different and if you didn't it could be mm. months before you could find it again yeah and you know like with cheese for example it's not that you may not find it it just may not be in the same packaging also that it may be more of the behind the counter kind of cheese but even then you know it's not nearly it's not as readily available you have to definitely look harder for it Cheese is important in this household for Cameron's spiritual happiness, so that's why it has a side note on its own. I would go to war for cheese. <laughs> um, anything else that we find that can be lower quality? Um, in some places, in our orientation packages, we've been advised about the quality of things like bedding, for example, unless you can go to a more westernized place like Ikea, maybe some of the local items might not be the same quality or the same designs or the same length that you're used to, so something to take into consideration. If you are um, coming in for the first time and are not sure. So in China, for example, I remember that that was an issue, so unless you got sheets and towels from Ikea, the quality did vary. Uh, kind of a great amount um, in, in bedding. And so thank goodness for Ikea because that was that was kind of a lifesaver in that regard. That being said, Ikea's towels are not fantastic. Like, <laughs> it depends on the towel though. Eh, they're okay. Like We buy Ikea's towels because they're cheap and we know they're, they're lasting, but they're not, there's better ones. Not the fluffiest, I guess. No, and as far as beds go, you know, um, I think part of it is not so much the quality, but the way people sleep. Beds tend to be, at least outside the U.S., beds are a lot harder. Yes. Uh, Lots stiffer. That, yeah, and that just takes some getting used to. Sometimes it works for people, sometimes it doesn't. Initially, I did well with it, but not anymore. Uh, it kills my back. Getting old, you know. So, it's a little bit different. Yeah. It's so, that's another, another difference in... That can also affect just furniture in general, just that depending on where you are, what may be available and the level of comfort that you get from it is also going to be different. I will say that while there, sometimes you might find lower quality things, you oftentimes find a greater variety. What are you referring to specifically? 
Uh, anything? I feel like in the U.S. you see more monopolies on brands, whether it's like electronics, hmm. um, whether it's uh, you know when we think about cooking stuff. Like in the U.S., you think of coffee makers, you think of you see instant pots, you think of KitchenAid, things like that. Whereas abroad, a lot of companies that do make those things and sell in the U.S., you just don't see them as frequently, like Philips. Well, again, that has to do with licensing and the ability to compete in the U.S. market or not. That's not my point. My point is, is that abroad, you see more of those things than you do in the U.S. What do you mean? I, I'm not sure that I'm following. Well, imagine going to Best Buy. Yeah. Right? And you see more, I feel like we see a greater variety in terms of companies that sell kitchen goods abroad than we do in the U.S. And yeah, it has to do with licensing maybe back home, but it has nothing to do with quality, but you'll see companies that you maybe don't expect to see. Abroad or in the U.S.? Abroad. Yeah, sometimes. I mean, um, we see more versions of, I think, mixers and food processors and those kinds of things, more variety than we do back in the U.S. I guess so. Um, I guess I TVs. Um, I guess so. I don't. I. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be able to tell. Phones. Not that you can't get a whole slew of phones back home. I feel just. Feel like there's a bit more variety outside the U.S. But maybe that's because of just issues importing things. We are maybe stricter with things. I don't know. What else are we expecting to, or should people expect to, find abroad that may be different or maybe might. Give you pause, take a step back. Water. We talked about this in a previous video, but water. Um, most countries that we've lived in, you can't drink the tap water. Correct. So be prepared for, you know I mean? The water we drink that we buy is fine, but the water coming out the tap is generally lower quality than what you might expect in a West, from a Western country. Um, internet can be better or worse. Yeah, we've, we've discussed those things in previous episodes. Yeah, but I'm just touching on things that might be lower quality. Yeah. Um, South Korea was fantastic internet, best in the world. Yeah, I would say so. No, I mean, they, they regularly test as to having the routinely fastest internet in the world. Right. So, um, China, terrible internet, slow while we were there. Um, what else? I'm not sure what else there is. So, I can't, I'm, not, I'm not sure off the top of my head. Coffee. I think we talked about coffee in another video, too. We've talked about this in previous episodes. Okay. I'm just going over things. Okay. Okay. Um, well, let's go on to something else, then. Very well. Okay. What do you want to go on to next? Well, I think we should talk about some of the standards abroad that are different from what you may expect in your home country. The way that people address service might be different and that can definitely cause some frustration. Service can be slower, it can be um, more than one step and that might mean that at times you're trying to run an errand and you're not able to complete it because there's a step that you missed, someone that is not available that needs to be there to approve something, or the office is closed that day for a reason that you're not aware of and nobody can help you, or a plethora of other reasons. Yeah, I mean, service could just depend. A restaurant, they're not gonna come check on you like they do in the US every five minutes. How's your meal? How's your food? Because 90% of places you aren't tipping. Um, 
I can't say that they're getting a living wage because I have no idea what restaurant workers make in other countries, uh, but they're generally not tipping because it's not part of the culture, so they're not going to be checking up on you all the time, which is, in my opinion, really nice. That being said, though, just because service staff, for example, in a restaurant is not checking on you every minute or so, it doesn't mean that you're going to get bad service. But for example, you might sit on a restaurant and it might be a little bit longer before you're served and it might be a little bit longer before you get your bill. Or you might order your food and very soon after you get your bill. So those are, they're small differences. In some cases, it makes things a little bit easier. And in other situations, it might make you wonder what's the service like or you might feel like you're not getting the kind of experience that you're used to and of course in instances like services for example or utilities some things do require multiple steps and they may feel like they're not efficient but it will get done it will just maybe take a little longer yeah and on the flip side of that you might be uh treated more extravagantly because of western because they know you might tip whether it's someone helping you with your groceries, looking for uh, a, a few you know, dollars or whatever the local currency is here or there, or just little things like that. You know, sometimes we still tip because it's not, they don't mind. <laughs> They're not gonna say no. And, um, but, uh, so be prepared that it could go either way. And of course, in some cultures, hospitality is a deeply ingrained core value. And even if people know that you live there, they will still treat you like a visitor. They will still treat you like a guest. So they may go a little bit extra out of their way to make sure that you feel welcome, that you are getting the best version of the service or anything like that, even if they've seen you a million times and you're a regular. Yeah, and as Anna said, some things will be a little less efficient. Um, utilities, I don't know that they're less efficient so much as it sometimes it's difficult to navigate it because you don't speak the language. That's also a factor I mean, that plays into things. The only time we really had to pay utility bills uh, was that we didn't really understand was China, and that was difficult because we didn't speak Chinese at all and had no one helping us. Korea, we paid, I guess we paid in Korea, but... We did. I, I don't remember. It was really easy. We did it through internet banking. Yeah, it was really easy. And here in Saudi, we don't worry about it. Um, but, you know, some of those processes are more difficult in the sense that you do oftentimes have to go into an office uh, where you'll have to deal with someone who may not speak your language. But at the same time, I do see some places being better at it than the U.S. That's true. I mean, for here in Saudi, for example, you can pay pretty much all your bills directly through your bank account. You can pay traffic fines. Um, it's really nice. I can pay any anything I need to. I paid for my driver's license through my bank account here. That's nice. That's really nice. Yeah. So, you know, uh, but just know that things won't be, I won't say as efficient. They just won't work in the same way because... Yeah. If you've ever been to the DMV in the U.S., you know it's not efficient. Again, I think that the, the key word that we keep returning to in this episode is different. Yeah. Different, maybe not... De well, we'll get... There are some actual downsides. <laughs> this is just differences at the moment still. It, differences, you know. Yeah. So, I mean, efficiency, like we said, can be good or bad. DMV in the U.S., as I said, terrible. Customer service in the U.S., sometimes horrible. Um, it certainly can be. So, you know, uh, service is... We've never had bad service abroad. I think the service is always I don't better. Think so, yeah. 
for the most part, uh, unless you're in Russia. And it's not bad in Russia. They are just distant. I think that it's an issue of like, they're just straight to the point. Yeah, which is nice. There's, there's not that whole like small talk process that people go through in the US where they try to like make small talk with you and all of that is just like, let, let's get to business, let's get it done, next person, yeah. goodbye. And like in Ireland, I know Anna mentioned it, I think we talked about it in a previous one, you order and they bring you your bill right away. Then if you order something else, they bring you a new bill. Yes. And that is the most handy feature <laughs> because then you're not sitting around waiting for 10, 15, 20 minutes trying to um, get the server over. And also, you know, again, you're not, I don't think we tip, is, I don't think tipping is a culture thing in Ireland. Not in the European Union, no. Yeah, so it's nice too because it's hard to tip before you've had any service. Like, yeah. I can't say, oh, I mean, you can still leave some, some euros on the table, but... Um, I wish the U.S. did that. Just gave me my bill at the beginning. Um, if I remember correctly, um, couple of, we've gone to a couple of places in Hong Kong that are also like that. Um, that ramen shop in Shanghai, Ajisen, was like that. A couple of places in yeah. Japan, I think, are like that too. It's just really nice. You order, and then you might get your bill before you get your food, but you know exactly what you're going to pay. And then you can just enjoy your food in peace. Yeah, so I think the downside is that the U.S. service industry is not good. <laughs> they don't pay their staff. Uh, you have unexpected tipping and it takes forever and they're always interrupting you. So basically don't eat out in the U.S. <laughs> I'm uh, not going to go as far as to say that. I'm not either. But um, Okay, so let's get into some actual downsides. So things that uh, can be crappy when you live abroad. I think let's start with a more broad one, which is some cultures are harder to break into. Absolutely. Um, and every culture is going to be different to break into and... The more different it is from where you're from, the harder it is. But a few words in that language go a long way. Yeah, um, they always do. We've never lived anywhere where people don't want to speak English to you or are not eager to learn. And, that, and that's a double-sided, it's a double-edged sword because if you're learning the language, you'll want to speak Mandarin or Thai or... Uh, Arabic. Know, Arabic with somebody, but they want to speak English with you. And chances are their English is going to be far better than your... Chinese or your Indonesian and so you as we do for example revert to English because her English is way better than my Spanish yeah so in that regard if you don't speak the language of course it's going to be harder to break into the culture but also um, not every culture is exposed to people from different countries in the same way and so they're not trying to be hostile they're just not used to meeting people from other countries and so it might get um, a little, it might take a little bit longer for people sometimes to get accustomed to talking to you and kind of understanding your way of doing things and your expectations because just as their culture is an adjustment to you, you know, your culture might be an adjustment to them. So yeah, if in countries that are traditionally more isolated or have smaller expat populations, it can be harder to break into the culture. I think it's harder anywhere. Um, you know, I think outside of the Western countries, because their cultures are much, they're much different. You know, even in Russia, you can point out a foreigner because they might be talking on the subway or the escalator or smiling publicly. Russians tend to not smile publicly. Or because they're holding a coffee cup on the street, yeah. which in a lot of places, people don't take their coffee on the go. So if you do that, you're gonna stand out. Or, you know, in a lot of cultures, whether it's Eastern Europe, whether it's Asia, staring is very common. Like you just stare at people that, and 
you know, we consider that rude in the U.S. Uh, and most, in, you know, in the, in the U.K. and places, but it makes it hard to break into a culture, too, because you feel very judged all the time. And it's just something to be aware of, especially if you know that there's something about you that may not be as familiar in that culture and will naturally attract attention. It was something for me to be aware of in China as a person of color and someone who wears her hair curly because both of those things are not as common in China. So for me, it was normal to have people stare at me. People weren't ever rude. Children would point at me sometimes and say the Chinese word for person of color or black person. It's not an insult or a racial slur. They're just pointing out that it's a person of color and that was it. But I, I was aware that that could happen and I never felt attacked. But it's definitely, you, you definitely wonder like, oh my God, is something out of place? Am I doing something wrong? Is there, is there food in my teeth? Like you wonder. But yeah, it's just, it's just something that happens because people are not used to seeing someone like you. And so, you know, again, these aren't, this is not necessarily a downside. It's just, again, a difference. Yeah. We do have, I promise you, we have two or three specific things that are downsides. <laughs> um, and so, you know, another thing that on our agenda here is that, is that you feel like an outsider. And that's, I think that's true, especially of teachers, um, but a lot of expat communities, because as you see, you know, in the U.S., you have maybe a Chinatown or... Um, you know, Miami has little Havana. People from the same cultures tend to stick congregate together. and stick together. And so, you know, you tend to hang out with those that you know and speak your language and understand your jokes and uh, your nuances. And so it's hard to break into that culture. Um, if I think, I think people do a better job as expats when they work in places with more locals. Um, you know, maybe that's sometimes, I, I think I see that more with universities people who teach in universities because they're teaching local students and have a lot more um, colleagues who are local. Um, here in Saudi, I think we see it quite a bit with some of the um, oil workers. Yes. They tend to work with more Saudis um, and uh, people that are not, well, maybe not their culture, but still other cultures. It's um, definitely something to keep in mind if you are going to be working in an international school where you have, where you're going to be teaching somehow um, somewhat of a parallel curriculum, if I should you know, say that way. For example, in the Dominican Republic, you have to take a number of subjects that are mandated by the Ministry of Education, and those are taught by local hires. I believe Thailand is the same way. And then you have all the English language curriculum that is in many schools taught by overseas hires. So depending on the school, sometimes there's kind of a gap between the local staff and the overseas hires that can be a little bit difficult to bridge. So one of the downsides of this is that if something does go wrong or you feel like you need to speak up about something where a local would have no trouble with this, um, you feel like you can't. And part of that is certainly language, that uh, it's hard. And you, personally, I feel like uh, a bad person if I just start ranting about something to a worker in English. So I don't because uh, part of it is a stereotype. I don't want to be seen as this you know, uh, what's the word? Not privileged, but... Uh, entitled? Entitled American. Um, whereas a local might have no trouble with being like, this is terrible, do better. Um, yeah, there's definitely a point where, <clears throat> as an expatriate, you feel like you reach a ceiling of escalating an issue and getting help with something where you've 
run through all your options and there's nothing else that you can do. Yeah, and so that, that can be really frustrating. It definitely um, can, it can be frustrating. It can be really frustrating at times. But that all comes back to part of that culture shock, um, which I think was episode four. Or two. No, two was about our trips to Ireland and France and traveling during COVID. Oh, that's right. Maybe three or four, I want to say. Uh, or maybe, yeah. Anyways, so if you're not sure, check that one out. Uh, but you can feel like an outsider at times. But at the same time, you know, just to bring it back, you can feel like an outsider back home too, especially if you're an expat and you go back home. That was, in a sense, what it was like for us because when you come into a place as an expat, you are most times thrown in with other people who are in a new culture, in a new place, uh, probably even knew that coming in with you, whereas back home, people are established. You may be not in bigger cities like New York or Chicago or LA where there's a bigger melting pot and people coming and going more frequently, but when we moved to Hawaii, it was difficult because people are there for 30, 40, they're their whole lives. And, uh, you know, it's not that you can't make friends. It just feels like you're breaking into uh, another whole system as well. So let's go into that since it's, it provides a nice segue to our next point. And it's the, the nature of being an expat and, and the transient aspect of it. Not only that there's always someone coming and going, but in some ways it's kind of like that looming feeling of okay who's gonna leave next is my best friend gonna leave next is my teaching partner going to leave next who's the new person and what are they gonna be like is that gonna be a problem next year and so that can depending on on the person cause a lot of anxiety just not knowing what the next year is gonna be like and whether you can actually you know Put yourself out there and make friends because for some people it might just be like well if people are going to leave anyway or i don't really know if that person's going to be here for long or i already know that that person's leaving in three months so why would i become that person's friend and that can just cause some i think i don't know some strain and in, in how do you develop your relationships i don't know if it causes strain so much i think you tend to still bond with people pretty quickly as an expert but it just makes uh it makes every year at the end of the year sometimes, well, as at least from a teacher's perspective, because we have definite ends of years, uh, it can make it tragic and sad because you know people are leaving. And, um, you know, in, in other fields, that's people come and go as well, but uh, it's, it's hard. You might develop a really close friendship with someone. After two years, you come in together, you have all these similar experiences, shared experiences, and then maybe they just, something happens, they have to leave. Or... Uh, you know, whatever the reason, and one of your best friends is now gone. And it doesn't mean you won't talk to him again. Right. But it's never quite the same. You know, we have a really great group of friends from Shanghai that we love and miss, but haven't been able to see as a group, but maybe I don't think we've seen them all as a group, or even mostly individually for the last seven years. I think the... Mo we got together with a few of them. Yeah, in, one or two, like, individually over time. Yeah, and just kind of, like, smaller pockets of the group. But the group itself, I don't think we've been in that group together since 2015 or so. No. 16. 16, yeah. So, I mean, that, that part can be crappy. It can um, be definitely You can lose sad. friends. But on the other hand, you end up with friends all around the world. You get to go visit, and you get to make more friends 
on a regular basis. But as Anna said, there is apprehension, especially as you're working about if someone new is coming in all the time, it makes consistency difficult no matter what field you're in, never knowing how someone's gonna work or whether you're gonna work well with that person, which is part of the reason we as teachers make our kids work with students and groups because you don't always work with someone you want to. That's very true. Uh, but there's a whole other side of the transients too, and that has to do with yourself, in that take consulate workers who are often at a place for two years or teaching contracts, which are two years initially, you can feel like you don't have time to do the things you want to do. You can feel like you've arrived somewhere, you're getting settled in, um, you know, you got about a year in, and then all of a sudden you know that you're leaving in a year again, and instead of enjoying where you are, you spend first year getting settled in, settled in, and the second year prepping to leave, moving, and then eventually trying to sell things. And that, that can be exhausting. It's, it's exhausting. We've done it. It's exhausting. It's horrible. We might move at the end of this school year, not from Saudi or our school. Oh, spoiler alert. Yes, yeah. we may. Uh, we, you know, <laughs> Surprise. Our, we might move to a new apartment, which this is, this is our, this would be us only. Like This would be our own doing if we have to move again, but we're excited about it. So it's not a bad thing. We haven't decided though, no. so stay tuned. We are going to do an apartment uh, tour, <laughs> and if we move, it'll be a two-parter, or well, probably a one-parter because I don't think we can make an apartment tour more than like ten or fifteen minutes. Let's so we would just mishmash them together. Yeah. So apartment one and apartment two, but um, yeah. So you know, in China, it was a good example. It's a huge country, and. We didn't see half the stuff we really wanted to see. We didn't go oh God, to no. Dalian to see the ice festival. Harbin. Harbin. We didn't go see the floating mountains in Yangchuo. We didn't get a chance to go to Tibet. We didn't go to the Great... We wanted to go see other sections of the Great Wall. Yep. Um, what else did we not see? We didn't go to Nanjing, which was more important to me than to you, but we didn't go to Nanjing. Yeah, it was important. <laughs> um, what else? We, we didn't go to the Avatar Mountains. Those are the floating mountains. Oh, those are... No, Yangshuo is in the south, and the Avatar Mountains are, for, like, higher north. No, the, the floating mountains... Yangshuo are the floating mountains. No. I'm pretty Different sure... Different thing. We're going to look that up. The, the name of the Avatar Mountains is really long. It starts with a Z. If you know it, can you leave it in the comments, there's an, please? There's a rainbow mountain somewhere, rainbow-colored things, too. <laughs> there's also an old village somewhere that they use for, like, all the movies. Uh, I don't know where it is in China. Yeah, we didn't get to see that either. Um, we didn't so get to much. see... And it doesn't matter. Same with Korea. You know, we, we got to go to the DMZ, but the weather was terrible. and The joint security area was closed. So yeah. we didn't get to do like the room where, where, step where the meetings are and where you like step uh, over the line and whatever. We didn't get to do that. Hawaii, we didn't get to go to Kauai. We wanted to go back to the big island in Maui, but COVID hit. Uh, so you know it just depends yeah there's always there's always things that that you don't get to do and you know you try to maximize your time as much as you can but sometimes when you're getting to when, ugh, when you're getting ready to leave a place it can feel a little bit like a sprint race of you're getting ready to leave and moving and preparing paperwork but you're also trying to see all of these things that you didn't get to see and so it's like kind of this fast-paced travel kind of sprint that you're you know which all oh, the essentials before we go and that kind of thing which is one of the good and bad things about being an expat is that part of the reasons people do it is so they can go and travel so you want to go and travel see all these things but um you miss the things of where you are it's like the phrase what is it uh you can't see the forest for the, for the trees right for the trees you can't see the forest for the trees so you're looking for the forest and you're not actually taking in the beauty of what's right around you 
So on that note, this is kind of a side note. We do recommend at times kind of playing tourists where you are, you know, take a weekend or stay in for a three day weekend and just, you know, go see the landmarks and go sightseeing the way that a tourist would, or just simply go to a neighborhood that is different from yours. It, it opens all sorts of insights into the places where you live and it kind of makes things feel fresher. I think where the Middle East not so hot in the summer, we would take a summer and just travel around the Middle East, but yes. it's too hot. Yeah, today's temperature is like, yeah, 41, And we're not 42. to the hot times yet. No. We're, well, we're not not to the hot times, but we're not to the hot, hot times. We're, yeah, we're getting there, but not yet. So the transit aspect is, you know, it can be rough. You get to, you either you're leaving or someone's, someone's always leaving. Someone's always coming or going. And um, that part sucks. That part really sucks. Especially if you get close to people. Yeah. Which, um, you know, brings us to our last point, I think, for the day is when you are abroad, you're not close to the people you know and love back home. Yeah. So when you're going to another country, when you, when you take the step to become an expatriate, most likely you're going to be considerably far from your family, from your friends, from your former co-workers. And so not only are you far away from your support system and have to build a new one alongside with your older one, because it's, you know, it's not the same to connect with people in person, but you are 100% going to miss out on the happy things and you're going to miss out on some of the sad things that you wish you were there for. Yeah, the number of weddings we've missed is high um, from our friends. We've made a couple. Anna's made more than I have. Um, but you miss out on a lot of the happy events. Weddings, uh, friends having kids, what else? Graduations. Graduations. I've missed well, every yeah. single school graduation for my nieces and nephews, like their high school graduations. I've missed them all. College graduations, I've missed them all. Yeah. Um, you know, I think happy events are maybe... It's a little easier to how you feel about missing a happy event from personal experience than how you feel about missing a sad event. It's easier. Sad events are harder because guilt hard. sets in. Yeah, so we've, we've missed uh, a number of deaths in our family um, and from our friend groups and not being there is difficult. It's very difficult. So one of the things that I spend a lot of time you know, perusing international teacher and expat forums, one of the things for me that's difficult is I'm an only child and my parents, my father lives alone, and there's a lot of people asking, well, what's it like as an expat? Or how do you deal with the feelings of an ex being an expat and not being able to take care of your parents or parent, depending? And, you know, there's no good answer. It just, the answer that I usually give in those situations is, I have to live the life I want to live and be happy with what I am and what I do and where I am. You know, my father has had... Uh, he had a bad fall, what was it, five years ago now? We were in Korea, Six years yeah. ago, maybe five, I don't know. Uh, he, somebody hit him and knocked him over, broke his arm, broke some ribs, had major surgery. Uh, I've missed two knee surgeries that he had to take care of and had other people have to come help him. He had that correction for his eye surgery, right? Um, he had one, yeah, we were there for one eye surgery but missed another one. Yeah. Um, it's hard. It's hard, and uh, but again, how it's it's a matter of personal 
choice of how much you want to live your life versus the life that others want for you. Yeah, and when it comes to how your parents feel about the decision, at the end of the day, your parents want you to be happy, your parents want to see you thrive, and yes, at times they may feel a little bit left out out of the fact that you're not close to them or may feel resentment over how little they see you or something like that but at the end of the day it's an issue of when they see you happy and thriving and understand that you are doing well that you are taken care of that you are happy that usually helps um, and also just the fact that um, you know, they also had their decisions to make at one point in time and they made them. So if you are trying to make this decision for yourself, now it's your turn. And there's a flip, again, like with all things, there's also the flip side. If you have kids, your parents or your friends and family are missing out on those events for the most part. If you get sick and end up in the hospital, your family may not be able to come see you or visit you in time if something goes wrong. Yeah. Um, and that's scary for you and scary for them. Uh, but again, these are, you know, just things that uh, you, I don't want to use the word deal with, but that you deal with, that you just come to terms with. There are, there are things that are, are part of the, of the life of an expat and depending on your mindset, depending on your approach, depending on your support system, in your, on your view of, of the challenge, it can be a downside or it can be a, this is just different and we're going to keep going. Yeah, for some people it's a deal breaker. For others, it's just a you know a, a cost benefit analysis. Is the cost of this uh, worth the benefits of being an expat? And for most of us, it is. But for some, it isn't. And neither is right or wrong. It's just a personal choice. And, exactly. But that being said, no matter what you choose, it doesn't make it any easier. No. Um, some people are better at it than others. Some aren't. You know, I, every time we leave, I struggle with it. I struggle with leaving. I know Anna has struggled leaving her sisters at times, um, but we're not we're not unhappy. We're not. We're not unhappy. We like living here. We like living in expats. We like living in Saudi Arabia. We like uh, our apartment and maybe our new apartment. <laughs> I'm really excited about the possibility of moving to our new apartment. Are you? I, I if we move, yes. Anyways, there's the logistical things. This is things. a whole other conversation, yeah, I guess. Logistical things that would have to happen. Oh, my. Um, but the See, like, the, the surprises sometimes just never end because, you know, it's two and a half weeks before the school year and we had, you know, a week of instruction, shaved off our lives, and now we're thinking about possibly moving. Of course we are. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we're almost out of time. Um, you know, I, I think that kind of wraps up what we have for today. You know, there are some definite downsides. Most of it has to pretty much do with feeling lonely where you are. Um, and well, pretty much all the downsides have to do with people. Yeah. Whether you feel lonely or whether you miss the people or see the people you like, love, leave. Yeah. So those are pretty much the only downsides. For the most part, obviously there's individual situations, but um, you know that's a more of a case by case basis. If you are watching us on YouTube and you have or have experienced any other downsides to living abroad, whether you go as a student or as a professional, doesn't matter. Leave it in the comments for us. We'd love to keep the conversation going. Certainly, it depends on where you are and what you do. You know, if you're um, 
not Teach for America, but uh, it's, that's in the U.S. Uh, with Peace Corps, you might be somewhere that's very rural, oh, yeah. not have access to things. If you're working for an NGO, there might be other safety and health features. You know, those those obviously are something that people would love to not have to deal with if you didn't have to worry about your own personal safety and health on a regular basis. Yeah. But we're talking more generally because we don't do those things. So I, I can't talk about them. So once again, thank you for <clears throat> listening. Thank you for watching. Thank you for engaging with us. We really, really appreciate it. We hope that this is helpful either if you are just curious and daydreaming about going abroad one day or if you are already abroad and we're wondering if you were the only person that felt that way, we hope that this was helpful. Yeah, we hope so. Um, leave us comments, let us know. Uh, follow us on YouTube or subscribe on YouTube. Follow us on Spotify. Um, you know, I, I personally recommend the expat forum on Reddit. There's a lot of great advice on there. Not all of it is great, but um, people are definitely going through the same things you are, no matter where you are. Yeah, and of course, for the shorter form of the things that we share, you can always also follow us on Twitter at Nomadic Gregors and on Instagram at Nomadic Gregors. Yep, the Twitter's pretty lit. I don't know if I can say that. I don't know if that's what people say anymore. Do and people say lit anymore? It's probably not, not, right? It's also not that lit. We're, we're old millennials, so probably not. I'm not that good of a tweeter, so. Is that a word, tweeter? I don't know. Anyways, thanks for watching. <laughs> uh, tune in again for our last episode of season one. Uh, probably next week or the week after. Yes, do not miss our season finale on our next episode, which is our recap on our year in travel this was our grand return to being back abroad there's a lot to talk about we i think traveled a pretty good amount and saw a lot of cool things so if you want to yeah. tune in for that recap don't forget to turn on your notifications and subscribe so that you don't miss the episode yep and maybe we'll have a, an interim summer episode going over our travels this summer um, as we navigate Europe and COVID and what seems to be now the new monkeypox that's spreading. Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, anyways, <laughs> uh, thank you again and I uh, look forward to hearing from you guys. Thank you. Have a wonderful time.